We're arguing that at some point in time, it'll be regulated that you can't have a shared secret like a password. Um, there'll be a point in time we'll be able to delete your password database. You know, in fact, if you go passwordless tomorrow, and I'm saying within you know the now, you can absolutely get to a position where you actually don't support passwords at all. You're listening to KBcast, the cybersecurity podcast for all executives. Cutting through the jargon and hype to understand the landscape where risk and technology meet. Now, here's your host, Carissa Breen. Ian, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you here today. Uh, I know we've spoken a few times about recording this episode, and we are going to be diving into the wonderful topic of passwords and passwordless. But before we get into that, we always like to start off with talking about you and a little bit about your journey. And just to mention, uh, Ian and I did work together in a very large bank in Australia. So we had some crossover, but then obviously you've moved on and you've, you've done other things since then. So I'm really keen to get into a little bit more about your journey and, and sort of what you're doing now. Well, yeah, thanks, Carissa. And uh, it's really, really good to be uh, on the show. Um, actually, before I even begin, I'd have to say that, you know, you've made it in uh, cyber in Australia if you get on the KBI podcast. So there you go. Um, really pleased to be here. Um, yeah, for me, it was, um, you know, obviously we did work together at a very large uh, bank in Australia. Um, and for me, I started out obviously as a coder, you know, I really loved engineering. I had a Commodore 64 when I was a kid and, you know, learned to code when I was like 12 and, you know, so I've loved computers from the very beginning. But when I went into, into industry after university, um, I was put on a project and it was about some authorization stuff at this bank. And, I wasn't a security guy at all at that stage and face that's where the love began. So, you know, I, I started building authentication systems and then getting, you know, really good at that stuff and thinking about cyber and thinking about security and thinking about safety. Um, and then that pretty much set the journey from there. So I've been fortunate enough to, to go overseas. I spent some time in the UK working for a very large global bank over there um and doing independent consulting you know once you get a little bit older and you've got a few years under your belt it's always great to be able to take what you learn and 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 i think use history as a guide as to where not to go because you know where you've been um and so after independent consulting i've, I've had this passion to build again and you know be able to not only talk to to customers but actually start building solutions and getting outcomes so that's since you know i've joined a uh, a, a US Israeli company came back to Australia, and now I'm really loving talking to all sorts of people and you know different banks and retail and different verticals now, and understanding all of their security problems, understanding what they are about, uh, and then effectively trying to find ways forward. So I feel you know I'm an older person now, and I've got a lot of years under my belt, and it's it's time to sort of I don't know it's not about giving back but it's certainly saying that I've got a lot of experience and it's now just talking about that from a strategy where we've been where we should be going. And when you say a guide on where not to go would you say in terms of your thinking process is that something that you apply to what you're doing today or you have done previously and then would you say that perhaps not enough people are doing enough of that because you've obviously come from um, you know, both sides of the coin, consulting as well as working on a client side. So you've seen a lot of things and perhaps you can bring that knowledge forward. So talk to me a little bit more about that and your thinking. Yeah, I think really what it is, is that, I mean, 
with technology, I always liken tech to be like a giant pendulum. It, it tends to swing backwards and forwards. And, and sometimes when I think about history, you know, we have this concept of, you know, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. I think oftentimes, you know, there's some facets of, of security that, you know, has been built long time, you know, a long time ago. Um, and, you know, we sort of use it, throw it away, we move on to something else. And then, you know, we start to look at, well, maybe we could do it this way, not realising that 20 years ago certain things have been tried or that was the way things were done, but we moved away from that, so you move back into things. With security, I think it's been a general, you know, good direction forward. We're getting better all of the time. Um, but at the same time, too, there are aspects around, you know, the way we secure things from a point of view of being both secure and usable. Um, and I find a lot of conversations you know, really are stuck in the status quo. And by that, I mean, there's a certain way we do things and it's sort of entrenched. Um, and part of what, you know, my philosophy is, is trying to move forward as best we can, but moving forward, not in terms of just constant cost and constant projects and, you know, constantly having to change things for the sake of change, but just getting better and not stopping because reality is that hackers and people that want to, you know, effectively take your identity and take your money and cause all sorts of damage are not stopping. So I find that times that there's this, you know, um, it's, it's tiring. Um, huge amounts of money goes into this. Sometimes not a lot of great outcome comes from it. And I think we really got to get a lot smarter on how we do things to get the best value out of that, you know, and that's what it is. It's all about protection and it's all about doing the right thing, but not being exhausted and stopping and going, well, we've got to a point now where we've got passwords and 2FA and it's pretty good. No, we need to be better. And as we move forward, there's actually some things from the past that won't work well and there's some things from the past that are fantastic. And, in fact, we're going to talk very shortly about some technologies that are coming to the fore that have been around for a long time and they're actually underpinning this whole passwordless methodology that, you know, we're getting going to get into. One of the things that you said was really curious is secure and being usable. I still believe in some cases a lot of security people are still very focused on the security side of it. Now, I get it. It's their job. It's part of their remit. It's what they're employed to do. But would you say more often than not people are still forgetting, like, the usability side of it. Like we're not here to all practice security. We're either here to solve a problem in terms of securing the product and that product is for everyday users perhaps that are not security people or tech people. How do we sort of bring that more to the forefront? Because I guess, I mean, in terms of the passwordless stuff we're going to get into in a second, this sort of helps inform that decision-making. I mean, yeah, it's all cool to have some grandiose security plan, but then it's so hard for a user to use and then as a result become frustrated and potentially get off the platform that you're trying to sell anyway. Well, yeah, that's a very good uh, good point. It, it's a conundrum and it has been for quite some time. Um, you know, this this really is a, you know, speaks to the whole thing about business and security needing to be in lockstep. And we're seeing that a lot in terms of the whole sort of DevSecOps, you know, uh, initiative, which is really about bringing these things together. If you take security separately and operate it separately, your one sort of ideal is to basically shut down as much as you can. Now, we all know that. I mean, from a purist point of view, being highly secure is having nothing at all. Just take everything off the internet and you're quite secure. You know, and it's it's a silly concept, but I think if you take it to the extreme, you know, the less you do, the more secure you are. So that has a tendency to push back on 
the ideal of having, you know, more business function. Now, obviously having more business function, you've got to have this balance. And I think that's, this is the tug of war we've been having for, for decades, this idea of giving more function and capability to our consumer base, but at the same time, making it secure for them. You know, in, in banking and finance, there's, there's, there's no middle ground. You need to be secure. It's just the way you have to be. And that's why we have the term banking grade security. You know, it's, it's, you know, it doesn't compromise. But at the same time, we can't be in situations where, you know, people carrying around old tokens and not in being locked out and not being able to access funds because they are the legitimate bona fide people that are actually able to use this. So you need the usability to make the business there so that the bank can work with, you know, or, or any other system work with the products and services that they have, but then not be so insecure that, you know, it's it's a joke and you're actually um, completely losing any capacity to, you know, make your system trusty, you know, and usable by your consumer base in, in a way where people aren't compromised. So that tug of war is very real. Um, and unfortunately, technology hasn't been there to enable, you know, that seesaw um, to, to break. And by that, I mean, when you get more usable, security tends to go down. And when you actually, you know, secure something really heavily, you know, usability goes down. We're now in a position where that has broken and that conundrum is broken. You can have great user experience and you can have great security at the same time. And as I go forward in this conversation with Passwordless, I'll put to you, Passwordless is more secure than everything that we've had to date. So um, we're in, certainly in a position where the future is very bright. So on that note, I agree with the whole tug of war of things. It was definitely still people's points of contention. I'd like to sort of dive into passwords now and the frustration, sort of the tumultuous relationship we all seem to have with passwords, whether, you know, you are a security person or not. And even if you're not a security person, I think it's even more frustrating because perhaps you don't understand why security people do what they do. And also then going back to the user perspective. So talk to me about your thoughts and what you've seen in this space. Well, I mean, we start with the very premise of having to assert ourselves digitally online. You know, the very point is if I'm interacting with the service online, I need to be able to use that with some form of digital credential or digital, you know, bona fides. And um, the password is has been the root of all of that. And it's a 70-year-old piece of technology. It makes, you know, simple common sense. If you know something, you must be the one that has access to the system. Um, and it begins, I think it's it's formulated our very first factor of, of, of trust in the sense that, you know, like Open Sesame, if you know the password, it must be you. And for the longest time, that was enough. But obviously, you know, over the years, the capacity to sort of say, well, if you know the password, it must be you, has absolutely broken down because, you know, passwordless, uh, sorry, passwords themselves can be, they can be guessed. Uh, they've been, you know, you can ask someone what their password is. They can be leaked. They can be captured from keyboards. In fact, there's probably, you know, a dozen different, you know, attack vectors on passwords that basically say, if you assert a password to a system, it probably isn't you because you have to assume that your password's already hacked. This is the state we're in at the moment where that foundational factor or what we call a modality of authentication is basically useless. Um, but what I'm finding interesting about this is that it is still the foundation of all of our digital identity. It's still something that we do today. It's, you know, um, I see applications being built and some of the first things that developers start doing is building password screens for logging in. 
And it just seems strange to me now that, you know, in 2021, we're in a position where we're still thinking of that as a foundation. The reality is it's a broken technology. And so what we've done and what, I, what I've seen certainly over the last 20, 25 years is this adding on top of mentality. So you start with a password, not good enough. Let's add a second factor. And this is where we get into that 2FA world where there are now other modalities of authentication or factors as we call them, that something else, you know, that, that adds to the trust. So if I have a password and something else like an OTP, I get secure. But what I'm finding though, of course, is that that mentality is stuck uh, and it hasn't done the greatest thing. I mean, even OTPs are broken now. So the two of them, you know, are great. It's the best we have to date, but I'm saying that there's certainly something better. And I'm certainly seeing this this sort of, um, I think we're stopping at this level. I haven't seen a lot more going on in industry. Passwords and OTPs together are pretty much par for the course, but they're not good enough. And I wonder why we're not actually being a little more, you know, active in its capacity to, to you know, obliterate them and go on to something better. That's how I sort of see the, the world at the moment in this unusual sort of, I guess we're sort of still waiting for something to come out that's going to change the game. The reality is it's there, but uh, we really got to have the great conversations about this and understand why, what is it that continues, you know, why are we still doing passwords today? Why is that? So when I think about, like you said, 70-year-old technology, I think about when the internet first like, came out in the 90s and it's like back then you had like one account. It was quite easy to be like, oh, it's, it's easy to manage passwords, but now you have so many different systems, tools, accounts that you have to log into on your phone, on your laptop, on your television, and it just becomes exhausting, right? So, so talk to me a little bit more from a, a user, perhaps even zoom out like a consumer. What are some of the frustrations that they have? And then as a result, you know, the, the amount of times that I hear people saying, oh, I can't remember my password. Oh, well, stuff it. I'll just go without are companies then losing customer retention or potential revenue because it's like, well, the, frust- the frustration around the password, I don't know what it is. I couldn't be bothered and two-factor authentication. Oh, now it's multi-factor authentication. And then as a result, it's all too hard basket and then they just move on. Are you seeing that as well? It's a big, big thing. Absolutely. It's, you know, in fact, my company, Transmitter, has done their own research on this and their own sort of, um, you know, uh, um, looks at this in terms of what people are experiencing and trying to solve for that. And the reality is, is that people do walk away. You know, um, passwords obviously have issues in terms of, you know, people remembering them. And as you mentioned, you know, there's so many systems now. I mean, the reality is, is that it's exploded in terms of the touch points that we have across various products and services. And at the same time, we're not allowed according to, you know, the best practice to not share these secrets across these different systems. So it's now become incumbent on the the human to actually solve their own security problems, which is to have these horribly unique passwords for every single, you know, product or, or service they access. Now, I would count the amount of touch points I have in the hundreds, if not thousands. Um, and so the capacity to forget these things, and you know, and there's other things like password managers that get in into this space, etc. But let's just think about the human remembering something. Um, the reality is that people walk away. It's as simple as that. For retail, you know, certainly 30%. We know that at least one in three will just abandon a cart and walk off. You know, say, okay, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go somewhere else where it's simpler. Uh, and certainly too for the younger generation as well. You know, where it's instant. Um, it's, you know, it's 
technical superiority. They sort of they will flip between brands very, very rapidly. If you're not capturing that through good interactivity and you're blocking legitimate users through a technology which is basically, I can't remember my password, and I'd be damned if I'm going to go through a, an unlock you know, process, um, then you know you really are losing customers. We're absolutely seeing that. So one in three from a password uh, from a from a cart-based scenario, they've already got products in your cart. They want to check it out, and you know you, you've got to log in, and they've forgotten. They're not going to go through the the reset process, and we start getting into a world as well where the reset process is highly attacked. So if you want to talk about account takeover. You know, password reset processes themselves are exactly where the hackers go because then you're getting into the social engineering component of all things. And, you know, all of the security that a site has basically gets broken by this lowest common denominator of security. So, yeah, people hate them. You can't remember them. You're not allowed to reuse things. And it all comes down to this little concept called shared secrets. And shared secrets is the devil when it comes to, you know, using the Internet and all of the products and services that we have access to. Um, you know, and the best practices is we're not allowed to do what humans typically want to do. So it just tells me that the technology is is long long busted. Oh gosh, it's so true. I've definitely been guilty of abandoning something. I'm like, can't remember the password, couldn't be bothered through the whole rigmarole. Or the email takes forever to recover the password and it's like it's not there within a couple of minutes. I've lost interest. So that's such a good point. And how do you um, feel as well about the idea that your email security pretty much underpins your entire digital life? Because, you know, every you know, that's scary stuff. Oh, it a hundred percent is, absolutely. Especially when you get the occasional, you know, I think Facebook and, and friends like that have recently said, Oh, like someone's trying to log into your account and then it's like, Oh gosh, I've got to go through the whole process of changing my password and and all these types of things. So I guess it de- it does trigger that level of anxiety, especially for me because I'm in this space. Uh, but I can understand the frustration that a lot of people would have because they've got so many things they need to remember. And just the thought of trying to reset their password is just, that's just too much for a lot of people in terms of the, the user side of it. One of the things as well is when you were speaking about like a dev, first thing is password field. How do we sort of change that conversation? Why are people just defaulting to that? Like, okay, I understand, like, you're a dev, your your job is to build the thing, right? But then how come, why isn't security sort of in on that conversation? And like you said, like, passwordless is more secure. But then also you were speaking about the revenue side of things. So perhaps if we sort of change the lens on how we're looking at this, would you say that solves the problem? Or they say that, Humans are creatures of habit. Are we just relying on habits now? That's a really good good question. And, yes, yeah, so you alluded to part of the answer there. Um, you know, it is a business-led conversation. And we're starting with the view that, of course, that you're doing less business and making less money because, you know, we're, we're defaulting to these security systems which are actually preventing interactivity. Um, and certainly not doing the best job of keeping hackers out. So we're kind of in this position where you ask, why? Well, why aren't we doing that? One of the reasons I, I think is that if I were to, you know, if I was asked, okay, we're building this new app and let's go secure it. If I go to, you know, the, the typical developer um, resources today, there's a raft of things that I can access straight away that, that are underpinned by passwords and OTPs. So it's very easy to do. The tooling and the technology, it's been around for so long. I can pull all sorts of open source stuff off the shelf. 
I can go straight to, you know, some of the bigger vendors that are around that, you know, have this stuff as bread and butter. So it's really easy to do. And I think that's really what it is. It's like I'm going to I need to get an app up. I need to secure it. And the fastest way that I can do that is to just, you know, implement a password and OTP because most of it's already done and I'm just dragging it into my app. So really we were at a, a technology pivot point and I think it's not natural for people to suddenly think, well, actually, let's do this a little bit better. I want to actually secure my application with a way that people want to authenticate, which I'm going to assert is passwordless, um, and I'm going to do it in a way that's super fast and super easy. And that's the question mark there. Do we have something that's super fast and super easy? And I think we're at that pivot point where, well, you know, certainly I would argue, yeah, I've, I've got some technology that I, you know, can can make that happen, definitely. But it's not in the psyche or the general psyche um, uh, across the board. We are having lots of conversations on why passwordless is now the right way to go. We're definitely having them. You can see over the last sort of year or two that con that subject has come up a lot. But I'm also being in the industry as well and being deep into this having a lot more conversations on why not, why aren't we going to passwordless? And I think that's really where we're going to get another push in terms of, you know, more uptake. More, you know, you'll see more tooling, you'll see more um, natural tendency to go to this because people are starting to do it. And when you've got people having done it, you've seen how it's worked out. And there's two journeys here. There's the implementers, you know, the service providers that are securing their sites with a passwordless methodology. So they've got to understand it. They've got to know what they're doing. And then the consumers that are like, oh, this is new, this is different, you know, because we're all used to just going straight to a password and OTP. So it's it's sort of less natural for us to think about passwordless. Um, and in fact, I'm going to sort of, you know, point out a bit of an experience I have myself. When we started pivoting to passwordless as a technology, we started to eat our own dog food. And like a year ago, there was an issue where I was locked out of my email and I had a passwordless capability. I didn't know what to do. You know, it was like even as a technologist, I felt a little bit lost and like, what do I click on? What do I – there is no password I can reset now and I got lost, you know. So for a moment there I had this weird moment. That's, of course, going to be a case for the general consumer base who are just, you know, you know, normal people that aren't security experts. So, you know, these things are going to come up. It's a two-step process of customer demand. Uh, and and how we we use systems and how what what is the status quo and then the other one is from an implementer's point of view why aren't we getting a better security position for our customers um, a, a simpler implementation um, and certainly you know from a, a you know a security perspective upping our security so that um, we're actually preventing ATOs like never before oh, ATOs being account takeovers and, and 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 hacking so there's a lot of reasons why we should we just don't have the conversation about why aren't we. So going back to the why aren't we part, so if you've got a dev, a security person, I know security architect and like an executive, where does, who starts the conversation? Yes, we can collectively say everyone, but you know, the reality is it has to be someone to start it. So who should the owners be on? Like maybe the executives coming from a, well, we can drive more revenue if we, we remove passwords, but the devs like, look, this is all I know. Like you want me to do something quickly or what? And the security person's like, well, you know, dev, you've got to make sure it's secure. So who... Who should be starting this conversation? There's definitely, I think certainly, you know, in, in years past, um, identity teams were very prevalent in this conversation. And, you know, you would have identity teams that would, you know, secure sites and that they would have the best practice. Um, and they were underpinned by, you know, security architecture and, and fraud teams, et cetera, that all had an opinion on what they required. And then this identity team would then be, 
you know, empowered to produce an outcome that would be injected. And that de- depends on the size of the, of the organization you work for. Some organizations, you know, particularly when you're getting the smaller, medium businesses are just not that large enough to have all of these teams. So you're really starting to get in a lot of the ways the CDO is becoming a lot more important that, you know, this digital experience um, officer who is actually now starting to connect business directive into the applications and security is one of those things which is you know uh, can be a big blocker and so the conversations between the CDO um, and and the security teams are actually becoming more prevalent um, and that conversation needs to happen in a way with which empowers a directive to the to the development you know unit that basically says this is the way that we need to move forward so I think we're definitely in an area where the c-suite is absolutely critical to having the right conversations. The C-suite are actually, you know, not may not necessarily know it, but they're, they are impacted, their business is impacted by the existing security systems we have, you know, in, in today. Um, so we have to change the conversation at that level to empower the, the implementers of this in a way that actually delivers benefits to the company and the customers. So I think that's really, you know, we're starting to see a lot more conversation around the CDO in particular who needs that better digital experience because this is what it's all about. Digital experience and identity experience are hand in hand and that has to really, you know, become the normal. So, Ian, why would you say that people aren't adopting to pass with this as perhaps as rapidly as you'd like? I mean, everything you said today makes sense, right? User, security, increased revenue sounds like a really good option. So I'm curious to hear, like, what is sort of the reservations perhaps from people that you're seeing out in the market? Yeah, it's. Um, I think really what it is, it's a technology thing. And I think what we have actually arrived at is the technology has now come to fruition. We are now in a position where everything is in place. And there's that moment where I think it's just taking time for us to all realise it. And so many of us, you know, are actually really jumping on board that and saying, right, now is the time. It's the time to bring this together and put ourselves behind that. Um, and, you know, my company in particular uh, are focusing on this, you know, uh, completely in order to basically say this is the way it needs to be and we're, we're doubling down on that, you know, and the investment's there um, to sort of say, yeah, people are believing in the concept. We are really seeing the technology be uh, presenting itself as saying, yep, we've got all of the bits in everyone's hands. So, you know, people walking around with smartphones today have effectively extraordinarily brilliant technology that supports the passwordless initiative. Um, the, the the biometric sensors that we have on the endpoint devices, so your face ID, touch ID, various Android flavors, um, they're incredibly powerful. Um, and so we need this is this needs to be recruited into the mix. Now we're seeing that a lot already. Like I mean, it's not uncommon, of course. For you to say open up an app and say hey do you want to use you know and just use the iphone example you, know, you want to use touch id to, to get in it's like sure tick your box next minute you're using touch id to get in the app has the problem been solved well maybe but ultimately what these methods use are you know hiding effectively a shared secret so you know you use your touch id what that ultimately does technologically is unlock a key and that key is then shared with the back end because you've already got a password and you've already got an OTP, but now you've turned on this, what I call a convenience biometric. Um, you know, it's it's not highly secure per se, but it's convenient. And it's convenient because really what it's doing is it's unlocking a process that's hiding under the covers, which is also equally attackable. 
So there's this sort of movement to a passwordless outcome, but we're not haven't been quite there yet. We haven't been using the technology the way that it could be. And there are two key protocols that have really matured right now. It's WebAuthn, um, and it is a protocol that effectively drives a passwordless capability through web channels. So, you know, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, they're all sort of building in this WebAuthn layer to the extent where it also works with the operating system and gives a single way or protocol to authenticate using passwordless. And then underneath that is this other um, technology called FIDO, uh, Fast Identity Online. These two pieces of tools or protocols, along with the handsets that we're all carrying around today, make for the perfect storm for passwordless to finally make its way, you know, in, you know, as a as a A-class contender. So that wasn't there yesterday. And so really I think the answer comes down to the fact that we are now in a position where we can exploit that. I think we've been, you know, it's not 100% clear that we can, but I'm here to say absolutely it's all come together now. We can start turning this stuff on and we can start making our way into the passwordless world very, very easily. So from your understanding, I mean, this may be a hard question to answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How soon do you think that we're going to get to a stage as a society that we're just going to see no more passwords anymore? Like it, the ubiquity is going to be there, the uptake's going to be there, and then like the next generation of kids are going to be like, "What password? Never even heard of that." Yeah, it's very difficult to actually put a time on it, and the reason why is I think that it's it's certainly not a linear one. It's it's definitely going to um, start to break apart and then rapidly fade away at some point in the future. Um, we're arguing that at some point in time it'll be regulated that you can't have a shared secret like a password. Um, there'll be a point in time where you'll be able to delete your password database. You know, in fact, if you go passwordless tomorrow, and I'm saying within you know the now, you can absolutely get to a position where you actually don't support passwords at all. Um, but uh, yeah, we I, we definitely see a point where at some point in time you actually won't be able to use them. When that is, is I'm not sure, but I think it's going to break apart first and then rapidly disappear once we get this impetus and, and we start, you, know, you start seeing major ven- like um, companies within a certain vertical. Once they start doing that and people flock to them, there will be a business imperative to follow. So it'll 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 accelerate. I just don't know when the tipping point is, but the technology is real now. So it could be anywhere from tomorrow, literally, to a few years from now. Um, but uh, certainly if you look at the hype cycle, passwordless is right on the cusp of it's now. So uh, we're going to see this in the next few years at least to some degree. When it's gone 100%, it could be relatively soon, but I, I definitely see a time where, you know, you won't even be allowed to use them. So what you're saying is that passwordless is going to be the preferred, if not the only option moving forward. Is that is that correct? I think there's there's a reasonable ideal to say that it's going to be the heavily preferred option. Um, now certainly there's a, a straddling point in the middle where at the moment you cannot um, completely shut things off for certain audiences. So it depends on you know the technology factors that you have within the um, you know the population that you're dealing with. 
really what you want to do is arrive at as as much people that use passwordless as you can. Obviously, you want to push that as hard. But getting benefits from it doesn't need to be 100%. So that's the other angle. It's not an either or or an all or nothing proposition, certainly in the way we are today. So if we think 10 years from now, it's a little bit too distant to really make a, a clear call on how it should be. But what I do know is today, you know, if you can get even 60, 70, 80% of your user base on passwordless and still support passwords to those that either don't have the right handset to participate um, or just, you know, don't want to do that. You don't want to throw away customers premised on your desire to get to a passwordless outcome, but you will gain benefits from going passwordless for those that, that cohort that do um, because their account takeover and hacking is going to go way down. Their customer experience is going to go way up and they're going to buy more and be more secure. So it's a numbers game. So would you say that, okay, so just use that 80%. If you've got a company, 80% of their customers are passwordless, would you say that's going to increase sort of customer satisfaction through going through, you know, um, uh, the whole password process again in terms of, well, I forgot it. Now I've got to reset my password. The email didn't show up. Or is that going to increase then and increase revenue and, you know, people are happier now. It's easy to, to log on. I don't have to remember things. And do you see that? happening absolutely yeah the if you've got 80 percent of your user base that um, are more easily able to get into your application in a more security you know more secure posture um, then you will enjoy more business from those users and that's that's a given if you look at the statistics and the way with which if you break those barriers down then it's you know it's self-evident that that's going to happen and you know certainly in terms of that benefit there's also other ancillary costs that you're throwing out so one of them would be you know like call center costs you know like the password reset process whilst onerous for customers and like oh i don't want to do this certainly for some institutions you know call centers are really the only way they're incredibly expensive so not only are you going to get more revenue but you're actually going to start removing costs if you you know some some you know companies spend millions of dollars per year just resetting passwords supporting their customer base if you can multiply that by 0.8, that's a great outcome in terms of cost reduction. So it's not only increased business, but it's throwing out costs that you're having to carry. These things are cost centers. They, you know, they're just a drain. If you can obliterate that, even in part, what? why wouldn't you? So going back to your experience before, when you said you were locked out of your email, talk me through like how would a everyday person, if they're in in your shoes, how would they handle that? And then how does a company educate that? I mean, people at the best of times are bad at technology. Would you say this potentially could add complexity because people get frustrated? Like, you know, people even struggle to reset their passwords. So how do we how do we handle that then in terms of customers going, I don't understand it, it's too tech advanced for me, and then potentially stop using a company or an application or something like that? I think you know it's it's um from when you think of human nature and how we we operate we really got to look at well how how do we use our phones and our laptops and that today and how do I turn on all of the features that my app can exploit that people are using anyway so simple reality is is that I I you know most people and I'm going to speak you know for for the general population certainly as we you know the younger generation coming through we're more and more unlocking our phones with biometrics. So really comes down to the point of biometrics as being the key factor behind being able to go to passwordless. 
So before I directly answer your question, passwordless effectively means that you have a device and a biometric tied together that does the work. You have a multi-factor outcome that's highly secure, but through the device and the biometric, you're asserting yourself very strongly to this application. So actually what we're talking here is the capacity to do a biometric on your device. So that in and of itself is very easy. In fact, so we're not even seeing um, a, a customer complexity conversation. It's really very simple. If you can unlock your phone, you can log into an app. What happens then really is just the process and the orchestration of when things go wrong. So this is where you start to need to think about bigger picture problems of passwordless because the happy path is very happy. But if you have not solved the unhappy path, and these are the things like, I lost my phone. That's what I use to unlock my account with. If I don't have my phone, then what? These are the question marks that are going to pop up because passwordless really is very, very specific on the biometric and the devices that are trusted. If you lose them, you can't just enter a password because then that's defeated the whole purpose. So will we enter a situation where customers are going to get confused? Not when you've solved all of the other pieces. And that's pretty much, you know, where... We've you know, been spending our last few years looking at this and saying, how do we solve these unhappy path scenarios? This is cradle to grave life cycle stuff like how do I register an account? How do I now authenticate? How do I add more devices to my mix? You know, if I've got my laptop, can that be trusted instead? You know, these things are all part of the problem or puzzle. Um, and if you leave customers stranded by only supporting the happy path, then yes, you will end up in, in trouble. But with the right orchestrations and the right means of being able to catch customers when they go, oh, you don't have your typical phone you're logging in with, then there should be other support mechanisms around them, like there are other, other devices that they've enrolled or using every day. Because reality is we're all using laptops, we're all using phones, we've got tablets. So get all of this stuff in the mix and then have a variety of ways with which password lists can be asserted. If you do that without that sort of safety net, you can get yourself into trouble, but that's the critical part of passwordless. It's not just the happy path. It's all the bits around it. Yeah, that's a great point. That's what I wanted to get you to sort of talk about because it was more so the happy path, but then what about the not so happy path? So I really appreciate you sharing that. But then one of the other things as well, I mean, you would know this because you've worked in the industry for so long, is would you say the people or people that you speak to are apprehensive at the moment? Now, Maybe not due to the solution as such, but more so because security people have a list as long as their arm and things they've got to do already. Uh, and now we're adding to it because I've heard this so many times. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to keep the lights on. And now a vendor's saying, oh, you've got to do this. And I'm just struggling with doing the bare minimum of stuff. So, how do we have that conversation? Oh, that's a great question. It really is because, you know, not to sort of extend on this whole sort of, you know, security is a journey maxim, which is, you know, very true, but very tiring to think about, you know, all of those insecurity will understand the fact that, you know, the destination is always over the horizon, continually getting further away. Um, but, you know, you, you ask a great question around the fact that, well, is this just yet another onerous task that we've foisted onto a whole bunch of battle-weary organisations that have already just been going through 2FA and, you know, it's surprising how many people don't have 2FA yet and they're still looking for that solution. Um, so I think the the point there is that it's the, the usual sort of flow of things have been additive 
countermeasures to these security problems that we've been having. So we typically add more layers on top and this whole defense in depth um, attitude is the right one. Um, certainly not looking back and sort of, you know, throwing stones at the way we've been doing things because, you know, it's the best we've had and we've done a good job in many ways and a not good, so good job in some ways as well. But I would like to try to point to the fact that is this an additional thing that we've now got to do or another onerous sort of, oh, here's another thing that happens. I would argue that, in fact, the simple, you know, like we're actually moving sideways to a whole new paradigm. Um, and arguably it's not that complicated. So part of it really, as you get into this passwordless world and you start to go there, there will be questions you're going to have. You're going to have questions around efficacy, how can this be attacked because it's, you know, people haven't really been pulling this apart for as long as we have with other other modalities. The security research, you know, is my personal confidence in this is this this modality of authentication there yet? You know, am I sold personally on on how secure this is? Once we get past that hurdle, <clears throat> I think we're going to find that it's going to look a lot easier than what it presents itself to be. And arguably, you're actually starting to move into a position where you can start to get things gone out of your environment as well. So not only would I argue that it's easy to implement passwordless, it's not this three-year program of work that you've got to do on top of everything else you've been doing. It's actually a bit of a sidestep. And as you head that way, you can start turning things off. You know, things like SMS costs you know, because you're not sending OTPs, you know, um, password databases and, and the cryptography required there, you know, because that's something that you've had to manage. Um, there's all sorts of functions and, 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 and things that you do to even just support passwords and OTPs that start to just go off the table now. So think about it as an actual way of jumping off to a, a sort of a cleaner future in terms of how I implement this, how I operate this. It's, it's a better posture all around, and I'm, I really would like to leave this thought in people's minds. It's not an onerous task to get to passwordless. It's a lot simpler than it appears. There's a lot of technology that has come to the fore and matured, and, in fact, you will find that it will set you free. So, yeah, don't think of it as yet another thing that you've got to do, and here's another thing that security people have come up with that you have to go and buy. Think of it as an escape, and everyone benefits, so it's cheaper, it's more secure, People love it more. What's not to love about it? Think of it as an escape. Yeah, that's a very good point. Do you think that, okay, like look at, I don't know, how many companies would you speak to? They're like, oh, Ian, you know, we've just got 2FA sorted and now you're asking me to change lane, change lanes again. So how do you have that sort of, how does that conversation go? Because I've heard people on the show, off the show, they're just saying, like, I'm constantly being pulled in so many different directions. I've just got this one thing that's so basic sorted, and now you're asking me to do something again. I feel overwhelmed and exhausted by the security journey. I think it's 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 definitely a, a real thing, and I, I do feel I've seen it a lot in the many companies that I've spoken to. It's, it's a real thing for sure, um, this, this fatigue. Um, but uh, I, I think part of, you know, it is 2FA. If, if at the end of the day we're really talking about passwordless as this sort of golden, you know, magical way of solving all problems, also another way to look at it is, well, we've, we, we know passwordless exists today and we, we want to move away from them. We've added OTPs to that, you know, we've created this two-factor capability. At the end of the day, passwordless, if you want to look at it in terms of um, complexity, 
also look at it on the lens of it's just another method of 2FA as well. So there are two factors of authentication being used, something you, you have and something you are, um, biometrics plus a device. So, you know, it's really not a, I would definitely like to point out that it's not a, a major undertaking. Think of these things as projects. Think of these things as, okay, to get the password list does not mean a major 90 degree turn to what I'm doing. Think of it as an ancillary addition to what you're potentially looking at now. Look, if you've just got a 2FA program in and it's taken you three years to do it and millions of dollars, well, I would argue, of course, that, you know, that's a lot of money and you probably could do better and, you know, no one likes these programs to actually be in, particularly in regulated environments as well. There's a lot of energy and money and costs that goes into into these these functions and features which don't radically change the business outcome. So don't look at it as a fatigue as to say, oh, okay, now I need to go and do something else. Think of it as a small addition. I would argue that, in fact, this stuff should cycle within weeks to months. Think of it that way. This is a weeks to months concept here. Um, enable to bring this capability in. If you're looking at a three or four year program of work to think, oh, well, that's passwordless in 2025, you're thinking way too far out and it's going to make you tired just even thinking about it. Um, so I think it's faster. It's easier to do. It's a lot easier than you think. So once you start peeling back the veneer, you're going to start to see those benefits and think of it in terms of projects and weeks and months of work. That might actually start to change the conversation a little bit about, oh, yeah, do I need, you know, a ton of money and, and a team of 20 people and, and two or three years ahead of me to make this work? I'd say no. So just say hypothetically companies just spent three years implementing, I don't know, MFA or whatever it is, millions of dollars lost and all of these costs and resources and consultants, and then you pop up and you're sort of saying, you know, you should be going past with this. How do you or your company or the people that you're speaking to, how do we have like spur on this conversation? Like, yes, I understand you've just spent millions of dollars, but you still need to be thinking about this beyond what you've just done. How does that conversation work? Because I think this is interesting because still to this day, people don't have two-factor authentication, for example. They're trying to get to that stage, but perhaps maybe they don't need to do that stage and they can sort of circumvent it or perhaps they just spent millions of dollars but they're like, well, I need to think again of what's beyond what I've just implemented. How do you handle that conversation? Yeah, you, well, you definitely alluded to one one angle here, which is that there are plenty of people that haven't done 2FA. So it's it leapfrog. Don't do 2FA in the, the classic sense, so, you know, passwords and OTPs. Um, you know, go straight into a 2FA capability, which is passwordless by design, and upfront, you'll get there fast, um, and uh, you'll be ahead of the head of the game. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of being in a position now where projects have just finished, we talk to a lot of people that are, of course, also in the middle of a program of work. And the idea that they've started down a path that may actually not deliver what we're sort of suggesting as being the better outcome can be very, very, you know, hard. It's a hard conversation. You don't want to tell someone that, you know, potentially they're implementing the wrong thing. And that doesn't go down well. It's not about, as I said before, either or. We do need, to, I think, in these early years, thinking about things as being a, an additional capability, one that people will flock to, one that's not too complicated to implement and can be done, to be honest, with a few key developers. So I'm sort of really arguing that with a very small team and a small injection of budget, you can start this program now alongside even what you're currently doing. Even if you just landed, well, the reality is we all don't get to just 
you know, sit pina coladas for a few months going, wow, that was cool. You know, I just spent two years getting 2FA over the line. Now I can chill out. The reality is security personnel and, um, you know, we're always on our tippy toes, working hard and constantly fighting the latest, you know, attacks. This is just yet another piece in this big puzzle that it's like, well, thank God it's here now. You know, I'm glad that passwordless is actually ripe in 2021 than it would be, say, you know, three years from now where we go, oh, cool, I'll have a rest. The reality is, is that we're all doing different things at different times. There's no single cadence of this. So um, I'm glad that Passwordless is out now. I'm glad that we can be having these conversations. Um, and, it, you know, some are tougher than others, but the reality is, is that this isn't going away. This is definitely the brighter future. And, um, you know, different people will be hitting these um, points in different points in time. But I do think that there's going to be a, a groundswell. And, uh, you know, as we have these conversations and we can clearly articulate why going passwordless is great, we're now having conversations about why not going to passwordless is a, you know, what is the driver as to why not yet? But as the groundswell grows, it'll just carry forward and we'll all, all get there. The fatigue is real, but um, the reality is we're not allowed to be tired and take a break. That's just the way it is. Yeah, true. Um, your comment about the pina coladas. Yeah, I don't think anyone in security is doing that. I think that is the ideal state, but that's definitely not happening anytime soon. One of the things I want to ask you, though, before I forget is in terms of industries, now I know you work across all of them, so you probably have a lot more insight on this. What about regulated industries? So banking and finance, What's their uptake? And then would you say that this is going to be mandated? You did speak before, like perhaps in the future, passwordless will be regulated, so you have to have it. But I'm talking about like now in banking and finance space, what's their sort of response towards passwordless? It is definitely, it's mixed. And um, working across um, Asia Pacific, I've been exposed to a lot of different regulatory bodies. Um, So there's definitely no one speed with that. Um, what I th- I mean, regulation obviously takes some time to catch up to the, to the you know the the cutting edge, um, and for good reason. I think everything has to be considered and and, and meted appropriately. So if someone suddenly comes up with this brand new invention and goes, hey, we should totally go here, it's it's, it's doubtful that regulation is going to go. Well, thou shalt do that, you know. So everything has to be tested out first. The conversations, you know, part of this now really is about strong conversation with the regulators to really get that forward because. Companies that are bound by regulation usually work to the view, of course, to comply. And that's as simple as that. And some of the bigger firms out there, some of the bigger um, fin, you know, financial organisations obviously have a, a two-way dialogue with, with regulators. Others, of course, just you know, get told a decree and thou shalt do this and that's what happens. They're not in any position to actually champion a way forward. So a lot of what we, you know, see is the fact that regulation is always a constant conversation. Um, Some of the bigger companies have a capacity to say, we think we've seen a way forward and they have conversations with regulators about what is the state of the art, what is trustable. Um, And I think passwordless is certainly at that level now where it's being talked about. I know of regulations that exist where it has to be Password plus a standard style of OTP to meet regulation. But that's just all that they know. So it's a it's a slow conversation that's going to take time. But I definitely confident enough, I'm I'm definitely confident enough to see that at some point in the future, you know, the, the benefits of it are going to far outweigh what we know. It's just purely about common knowledge 
and it's not common knowledge at this stage in terms of its benefits. And, uh, you know, I can see it actually flipping at some point down the line. But um, it is very, very, it is difficult. Some, some companies are absolutely well bound by this uh, and have pushed back on the idea just from a regulation. But at the same time, I also think that part of it is about not an apathy. That's a little bit of a strong word, but, you know, there's a ton of things that are on their plate. The regulation says X, Y, Z. I've implemented that. I'm going to move on to something else. This is just about energy, um, desire, and I suppose a, a real sort of, you know, uh, excitement towards moving towards a passwordless future when the conversations are going to start coming to the regulators for it to then become not only accepted, but the preferred method going forward. And I guess as an education piece for the for the industries that are not regulated, right, that they're not mandated, there's not a requirement that they have to do this. So I guess to, to sort of end our interview, I'd like to get your thoughts and you've sort of peppered it through the conversation today but I'm really keen as for someone who's listening to the show and they're curious about going passwordless how do they sort of start that dialogue with their executives around moving to passwordless potentially if they've just blown millions of dollars on moving to multi-factor for uh, for example but what are sort of the the key points people should raise internally to their executives? Well I think the key points are of course that you know the the arrival of passwordless has been quite rapid uh, and has probably caught, not caught people by surprise, but it, it's here now. Here we are. And if we've been working on programs of work for the last few years, then of course you've had, you, you've got to, you know, you've got to deliver. It's, you can't keep bouncing left, right and centre every time something new comes along. But this is sufficiently big enough to, to actually have pause and, you know, have a think about it. What we should actually be starting to do really is looking at return on investment um, and I think the ROI numbers will speak louder than most. So, you know, security has typically been a cost center. You know, I mean, the reality is, is that you've got to put these factors into place so that we actually prevent account takeovers and hacking. And at the end of the day, they're all costs that we just have to bear to, to keep the lights on. And the business sit behind that trying to, you know, obviously run doing what they do. I could argue that certainly having these conversations are around not only just well, we've got another cost coming up. Hey, I've got another program of work that I want to put in place and it's going to cost us $2 million. What we need to start looking at is what will it take to implement this and what are we going to get from it? And I think that business case is going to really speak volumes. The business case of cost reduction, the business case of increased sale and you know um, activity amongst your client base, um, the, 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 the trust factors there, happier customers through better security. So the actual business cases almost start to write themselves and this isn't really about the fact of, oh, okay, we made a mistake. We now need to move to passwordless because apparently that's the better way. It actually, you know, it's going to be clear to everyone that it is. And the business cases are going to be very clear in terms of the fact that we're going to start paying for ourselves very, very soon. So don't think of it as a cost center 100%. I mean, typically things can always be that, but it's going to deliver real outcomes um, for better business. And I've never seen scenarios before where, you know, adding an OTP to your logon made for better business. It made for better security, but it didn't drive more customers. It didn't drive more activity. And it certainly didn't slow down card abandonment. So, you know, these conversations, I think, are really about what the what the company can get from passwordless. It's a net positive. No, those are absolutely excellent points. I love those points that you raise. And that's a, such a great question. It's something that I often ask from vendors, like, well, if I buy this, not necessarily me, but like a customer, like, what do I get from it? Because I think a lot of people are very focused on the technology because it's like an executive could be like, well, cool, you're talking about going past all this, but if you start to almost 
come from their point of view, what do we get out of it? That's a very different conversation. So really, really, really appreciate your time, Ian. It's awesome to chat to you. You gave excellent answers on questions that I think a lot of people out there listening have themselves. If people do have a question specific to you, how can they go about getting in contact with you? Well, um, certainly they can reach out to me. Um, so it's Ian Sabello. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, just find me there. Transmit Security is the company I work for. We're all about this. This is our, our heart and heart and soul um so definitely do reach out you know it's all about i think you know this is about grassroots conversation now and uh you know i love to be able to talk to this you know i'm, I'm not a sales rep myself i just love to talk about it and then people can make up in their own minds on how they want to progress but yeah hit me up on linkedin and um we'll be more than happy to to have a conversation but certainly carissa the pleasure's been all mine so thank you for having me on thanks for coming on the show and i can't wait to get you back <laughs> i'd be happy to Thanks for tuning in. We hope that you found today's episode useful and you took away a few key points. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get our latest episodes. If you'd like to find out how KBI can help grow your cyber business, then please head over to kbi.digital. This podcast was brought to you by KBI.media, the voice of cyber.